All right, Book of Amos. This is part, let me look here. I don't even remember anymore. Lost count. This is part, you know, I bring up all the series. It's part 17 in the Book of Amos. That means we have 17 hours plus in the Book of Amos. About four, five hours maybe on uh, the Bible study methods that we're using for Amos. So that's a lot of hours and a lot of work to get us to where we are. And so I was trying to figure out what we should do tonight. So a couple of things. We've, we were working on observational reading. Everybody remember that? We made it up to what chapter? Does anybody have it marked where we stopped? Because I don't remember. We've done so many different things. Did we stop in six or finish six? Okay, I think we made it to six, right? So I think we made it to six, all right? So we were doing the observational reading. Then remember we took a detour, right? And then we went back to chapter one, and we threw out the observational reading. And we threw out the observational reading, if you remember why. Uh, we threw out, we threw out, the, we, or we stopped, I should say. We paused the observational reading, because everyone per, working on the Bible study exercise online is supposed to have done all the observational reading. But we did so because I, I was uh, reviewing, kind of utilizing as a soundboard, uh, the teaching of Dr. J. Vernon McGee on Amos chapter 1. And when he started bringing up the fulfillments of the supposed judgments mentioned in Amos chapter 1, I was like, well, wait a minute. Those are mentioned back in 2 Kings. And we know the book of 2 Kings covers a time frame that covers time before Amos and, a- and after Amos. So wait a minute. We got to make sure that these prophecies were fulfilled. Now, the reason I did that, primarily the goal, especially for the people participating in the Bible study exercise, is to make them really stop and dig into the chapter so they, they will remember the name of those nations and will remember those dates. Because if you just look at Amos chapter 1, you may go, okay, whatever. And so I wanted to really get people into that. So we spent a lot of time. There were two we did not work on. All right, if you look at Amos chapter 1, just quickly, and we go through the different nations, you should know that there were two that we did not work on. Does everybody remember those two? We looked at the judgment on Syria because uh, what is mentioned in starting in Amos chapter 1, let's see which verse, is it verse 3? I believe verse 3. Damascus, which is the capital of Syria, okay? So we we looked at that one and we saw the fulfillment, right? And there was no problem, there was no issue that that fulfillment occurred after the time of Amos, right? We, We felt like there was, the only thing that threw us off was what? What threw us off on this one? Yeah, the Ben Hadad. Remember, we were like, "Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute." All right, that that made that made us at least pause. But then we realized, well, it's just the destruction of the palaces, right? And then when we figured out when the judgment occurred, we were like, "Okay, that one came after." Do everyone remember that? Ever we everyone agree with that? Then the second one we looked at was Gaza, right? Which is Philistia, right? It's the capital city, Gaza. Okay. All right, then we looked at that one. Did we have any problem with when that was fulfilled? Yeah, we didn't seem to have any problems. We had to look up some names. We had to look up some everything, some references. And we, I, I think we went back to Second Kings for that as well, if I remember correctly, right? Yes. Did y'all have the references down? I can pull up all my notes if I need to. 
Oh, second Chron. Oh, okay, again, Second Kings 18. Okay, so I think we did pretty good on that one. Then the third one was. Okay, well, uh, Philistia covers, remember, there's four chief cities, Gaza, Ashdod, Ashkelon, and Ekron, were to be judged because of what they did. I don't want to talk about what they did right now. So all of them are kind of mentioned there with Gaza, okay? Then we, after Philistia, we move to where? Tyre, which is the capital city of whom? Got Bible dictionaries, look it up. Look it up. See if you can find. See if it's an easy, easy find. If it's not an easy find, we'll, we'll give up. Okay. I mean, I have it written down, but I mean, if we need to. I just I always like to know what you know or don't know. All I got to do is ask a few questions. <laughs> Phoenicia, there we go. Okay, Phoenicia. Okay, so everybody remember that. And... We know, uh, we know when Tyre was ultimately destroyed, right? Yeah. Now, it's, it's, uh, and it was destroyed by whom? Ultimately destroyed? Alexander the Great. Everybody remember that, okay? We got that? Okay. Then that brought us down to Edom and the capital cities of... Our, our, in verse 11, does it name two capital cities of... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, Amos one eleven does it name any cities? Or it just says Edom, right? Okay, well the capital cities with Timon and Basra. Okay, all right, Basra. Okay, so it is mentioned. Uh, Timon was located south uh, southeast of Petra, and Basra was north and central Edom. All right. So now the thing here is. I don't, we did not work on when this was fulfilled or who fulfilled it or when it occurred. We did not work on that. Does everybody remember that? Okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, the judgment. When the judgment occurred. When the judgment. In other words, is there a biblical reference to it? We didn't work on any of that. Okay. So everybody remember so far so good. And then there's one more in chapter one. Amen. Right. And, uh, And that's the capital city. Or Ammon, uh, the capital city, I think, is it Rabbah? I think so. Uh, the, Amor, uh, the Ammonites, descendants of Lot's youngest daughter, had uh, committed cruel crime. Well, I don't want to go into what they did right now. And then God would uh, ultimately destroy their cities and enslave their people. Then we go to chapter 2, and it starts with Moab. Correct? Okay. So we didn't do too much with those judgments. Now, there's a part of me that wants to go back and say, let's see if we can figure out when this occurs, when it not... What, do we have any information? There's, There's... A lot of people, I think, go to Josephus to try to find the answer. I don't know if we have a clear biblical reference. When we, if we get to that, we will look at at least a couple of commentaries and see what we have and see if we have any cross-references. But this is what I want to do this evening, okay? I, I just kind of want us to step back, and especially for those who've been working on the study and working on the study. Hopefully you know now the names of these cities, you know the name of these nations, you have some idea when these judgments occurred, you've got all of that down, hopefully in a very academic way, and of course they're all writing it out, and they're sending me the, the screenshots of all their notebooks and their, and their papers, and hopefully when it's all put together, they're going to have a complete study of Amos, so they understand the book better than they've ever understood it. Okay, but if we look at the chapter... I'm going to have us go through the chapter and just read it one more. I know we've already done observational reading. But as we go through it, all right, 
as we go through it, here's what I want you to think about tonight. All right? I want you to think about, obviously, it's, it has facts, right? It has historical facts. It has places. It has, even, it has a lot of information. Can we all agree? Amos chapter 1 contains a lot of information. All right. But what is the central spiritual lesson? That is what I want us to consider and see what we can find. So are you ready? Everybody ready to work on this? So thinking caps on, which Bible do I want to use? Which Bible do I want to use? Let's use, I always bring more than one. Let's use this one. All right. Amos chapter 1. Here we go. I know we've already done some observational reading. I'm going to try not to do. I just want you to think about it as we're reading it. All right, here we go. The words of Amos, who was among the herdsmen of Tekoa, which saw, which he saw concerning Israel in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. Just so that you know that... Um, that uh, Jeroboam is Jeroboam the second, not the first Jeroboam. All right, just so, I mean, I think we already discussed that, but if you don't know that, you need to know that. Or, well, those doing the Bible study exercise, I'm assuming, already figured that out. Okay? Remember, some commentaries are dogmatic when that earthquake occurred, and they believe it's mentioned in Zechariah. I think they believe Josephus mentioned it. Others say we have no clue when this earthquake was, which it's just amazing that you can have two completely opposing views, but all right, we won't go into all of that. Well, obviously this way, it's mentioned, so I'm assuming it's mentioned because at least the people at that time knew about it, right? Does that make sense? Okay. He said, the Lord will roar from Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem and the habitations of the shepherd shall mourn and the top of Carmel shall wither. Thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of Damascus and for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof, because they have threshed Gilead with threshing instruments of iron. But I will send a fire into the house of Hazel, which shall devour the palaces of Ben-Hadad. I will break also the bar of Damascus and cut off the inhabitants from the plain of Avon, and him that holdeth the scepter from the house of Eden and the people of Syria shall go into captivity unto Kerr, saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of Gaza and for four, I will not turn away the punish, punishment thereof because they carried away captive whole, whole, captiv, whole captivity to deliver them up to Edom. But I will send a fire on the wall of Gaza which shall devour the palaces thereof. I will cut off the inhabitants from Ashdod and him that holdeth the scepter from Ashkelon and I will turn mine hand against Ekron and the remnant of the Philistines shall perish, saith the Lord God. Verse 9, Thus saith the Lord for three transgressions of Tyrus and for four I will not turn away the punishment thereof because they delivered up the whole captivity to Edom and remembered not the brotherly covenant. But I will send a fire on the wall of Tyrus, which shall devour the place thereof, palaces thereof. Verse 11, thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of Edom. 
And for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof, because he did pursue his brother with the sword and did cast off all pity, and his anger did tear perpetually, and he kept his wrath forever. But I will send a fire upon Teman, which shall devour the palaces of Basra. Thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of the children of Ammon, and for four I will not turn away their punishment thereof, because they have ripped up the women with child of Gilead, that they might enlarge their border. But I will kindle a fire in the wall of Rabbah, and it shall devour the palaces thereof, with shouting in the day of battle, with a tempest in the day of the whirlwind. And their king shall go into captivity, he and his princes together, saith the Lord. All right. All pretty straightforward, agreed. Yes. Okay. Now, let's, if you want, let's just make a list of the key elements found within the chapter. The key elements. All right. What are the key elements that we have in this chapter? Let's go. What's number one? Key elements. Key elements. Okay. All right. Can we call uh, sins of nations or national sins? Does, that, does everyone agree with that? These are sins that the nations have committed. Agreed? So national sins are a major focus here. Okay. What else do we have? If you have national sins as the focus, I think something has to, has to go along with that. If you have national sins, something has to go along with it. You can't have national sins without nations, right? So how many times are nations mentioned? A bunch, right? Okay. How many total verses in chapter 1? 15? How many times is a nation mentioned? Just go through it and count. How many times is a nation, a city mentioned? A nation, a city, some kind of location. We may not have an agreement on the number, but I think you should have at least an estimate. Just how many times a place or city mentioned? I see people counting on their fingers. <laughs> Use whatever. Okay. Right. You have at least six, can we call them uh, nations, with multiple cities mentioned of them. So we know six is just the starting point, and that doesn't even count Tekoa that's mentioned, or Jerusalem that's mentioned, or Carmel mentioned, right? Okay, about 20, Bobby is saying, right? Now, about 20, how many verses? Means places, nations, cities are mentioned more then there are actual verses. Okay, that doesn't take a rocket scientist to go, hmm, I, I think this is a key element here, right? Okay, the sins of the nations, the national sins, and the nations themselves are key elements. Anything else? 
Now this one you may have to think about. This one you may have to put your thinking cap on. This one you may have to just really, really think about because I think this one may be a, a key element that maybe could easily be overlooked, but maybe it's a key lesson in this particular chapter. Maybe a key element in the, at least the first part of the book. What do you think? I'll give you a second to look. Okay, well, that's not the one I'm thinking of, but obviously, it, this is going to go in that direction. We got national sins. Would everyone agree? And then we have the nations, obviously. In fact, if we're doing this in order, you, I think the first thing that should jump out is how many different times nations are mentioned. But then those nations are mentioned in regards to the sins that they have committed, right? That's the way I would view it if I was doing it in an order, but I don't care the order. All right, so we have national sins, we have the nations. And don't we have all of these nations? What's getting ready to happen? Judgment. Judgment's coming. Judgment is coming, right? Is that not what we read everywhere? Now, I know we can get so caught up into, and, and, I, and, and there's no problem with doing it because I wanted everyone to get caught up in, who are these nations? When did this occur? I wanted everyone to get caught up into that for at least a brief period of time. But at some point, you got to step back and go, okay, what's the bigger picture here? So the bigger picture is we have nations, stay with me, we have national sins, we have nations, and we have judgment upon those nations. All right, so there's got to be another key element here that even though it may, I, to me it's explicit, but I think everyone's going to overlook. I mean, that, that, I don't know if that's a key. I think it's interesting. I'm not going to put that down as a key. It is interesting and trying to know why. Um, well, the, yeah, the, well, the words go to Israel. Yeah, yeah. These are words going to Israel, concerning Israel, yes. But, I mean, it starts off with all the nations. Okay. Well, I think, good point. Each of them had done something to Israel. Right, right. Okay. Someone uh, sent me a message today because we've been talking about that reverse order, that the order is weird, the order is weird, the order is weird because the other books. And someone, if I can find it, said, let me see if I can locate it here. They said that uh, they looked up uh, what Calvin had to say and it says, was reading Calvin's commentary, and he said that the reverse order was so the Israelites wouldn't think that what happened to them was by chance. Yeah, right. So I think that that's interesting, and that started getting me thinking. But still, I don't want to get distracted. What's the key? There's another key element here that, that if we don't see this, then put it this way. When you read this chapter, you got to come up with something that this means. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. And if you got, and if you get, and if you guys look read it this way, please tell me you do because it may be just a different in perspective. Do you just read it and go, huh? Bunch of nations get judged. Next, I mean, if that's how you read it, that that's perfectly okay. 
I just need to know because I would stop and go, well, there's got to be more to this than just, oh, well, just nations are judged. There's got to be a key. There's got to be a, a key element here. There's got to be a key lesson beyond, oh, he's just telling me all these nations are judged. Clearly he is, but there's got to be something more to this. Okay. Okay. Okay, no, no I'm, at, least, at least, that's good because at least you're trying to figure out, okay, they're being, somehow this has to do with Israel and these nations being judged have to be connected to Israel. I think that's important to, to observe. I think it's a very good observation and I think you could even possibly put it down as the key element. It's not quite where I'm going here, but it at least gives me an idea of how you may be reading it. All right, let me try this. Let me try this. Every day, we wake up and we hear about all kinds of events and things that happen in our world. Yes? Okay. Uh, now, we, we, can, we can watch it on the news. We can listen to it in news podcasts, we, radio, paper, however. But we hear constantly about events and things that are happening, not only globally, but what's happening in our local area, within our state, within our country, within a geographical region. We hear about events. Yes? Okay. And then we look at all of those events. What, everyone sees the same events, Right? Everyone looks at the same events. And we know that not everyone views the same events from the same perspective, correct? So there's already disagreements. It can be disagreements that we see the same event and two political parties will see the same event in a completely opposite way, right? We know that. There's always disagreements from ideology, politics. But there is one major issue that from a Christian perspective that we are to have this perspective. And I think that this is screams at us here that so far no one has given me, but I think it's important. Does this chapter not describe nations? Does it not describe things that's going to happen to those nations? And to the people therein? Would everyone agree? Now, or do you look at these, pers- these things and just go, oh, bad things happen to these nations? Or are you to look at this, these bad things are happening to these nations because of? Anybody? Okay. I read, I read the Calvin thing. I, oh, okay. I think Bobby just said. I read the Calvin thing is to like give you the answer before I ask the question. Okay. Okay. What did you say? Thank you. That's what I want to see. This is describing what happens in the nations as a result of God, not a result of simply chance or circumstance. In other words, everyone sees things that happens in life and you can either see it as, oh, it's just an event. It's just a circumstance. It's just that which happens or you see the event somehow connected to God. I will argue, now if you think I'm wrong, please tell me, 
Isn't this chapter clearly indicating that everything that's going to happen, God is somehow in, I mean, he's predicting it, right? I would assume that he, he knows what's going on. He's clearly not going to prevent it. And is he not seen as the cause of it? I, oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I was hoping someone would say that's a key thing. All right. I, okay, go through. Start reading to the, all the different times he says, I will. Read, where's the first one? Okay. Amos is speaking. The Lord will. And that's the one where he says, roar. Okay. All right. Verse three, I will not turn away the punishment. I will not. Now, now, if I will not turn the punishment, meaning what's going to happen is a punishment from? God. All right, next. I will send a fire. Next. I will break off the bar. Next. I will not turn away punishment. I will send a fire. Next. I will cut off. Next. I will turn my hand against. Next. I will not turn away. I will send a fire. I will not turn away. I will send a fire. I will not turn away. I will kindle the fire. Okay. Now, we just found maybe the key. We may found the key of the key of the key of the key. All right? We just may have figured everything. This is important. So, because I've been, I've been thinking about, okay, well, like, I, I, I've tried to get everyone figuring out the dates and when it occurred. And that's great. Figuring out, know those nations. But if all we see is events and we don't see that the events are being orchestrated and carried out by God, then we see the book. Look, this is a constant problem with all of us. Now, look, I, there is no, look, I know why a lot of preachers want to avoid this because even Bobby said, I hate to say this, right? Because we know of the logical implications. When we look at our world, Let's just consider it right now. People are being slaughtered in Ukraine. There's what, 3,000, I think 3,500 now current investigations going on in Ukraine of horrible war crimes committed by Russian troops in Ukraine. I mean, I, I, they found these mass graves. They found these horrible places that basically people are being tortured. They're being killed. Their bodies dumped somewhere. It's horrifying. Now, how do we understand these events? That's the, look, this is the uncomfortable reality of theism. When we have a God that is all-powerful, all-present in all places at all times, knows everything, whatever happens We have to somehow understand that event that God is involved in it. Now, we like it when we're like, when we're sitting there and we're like, oh yeah, judge Syria, destroy them. God's in it until something happens to you, right? Or to your family. This is the, 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 this is something I want you to feel. All right, I want you to, so here's what I want to do. We're going to look at some scriptures really quick. And this may move, move us away. I know someone asked me that if what, whatever we do tonight, give them an answer. When was Edom and Ammon? When, when did that judgment occur and how, when was it carried out, right? 
Okay, but I, but I don't know if I'm going to get to that answer right now because I want to make sure we see this more. There, there's a spiritual lesson in this. How do you perceive, think of it this way, and this is the question you have to ask yourself. How do you perceive reality? Now, there, there, some people discuss that no two people perceive reality the same way. That leads to some major, that, that does explain all of the utter confusion and disagreement on everything. But for Christians, the Bible seems to scream at us that there's only one theological way to perceive reality. And that God is over, involved in, controlling that reality. We have to see reality from a God perspective, not simply chance, circumstance, unfortunate, unlucky, but God is somehow involved in it and through it. And that raises serious questions that nobody wants to discuss. I don't even like talking about it. But we have to talk about it. So let's look at some scriptures just to see if we're crazy, all right? Or I'll say you're crazy because I'm not, obviously, okay? All right, here we go. Everybody ready? Let's start with these. Go to Ephesians 1.11. Let's just start with... Now, I don't know if you... If, if When I start reading these verses, if you come up with another one that you think is connected or similar to it, please give me the cro- another cross-reference to go through. But go through Ephesians 1.11. Everyone read it for themselves and tell me what we discover here. Okay. Well, it may even go beyond that, that just salvation. I do agree that salvation is being talked about here. It may even go beyond that. I'm going to mark Amos. Right? I'm going to read it from this translation. Right? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. Everybody there? We all know this verse, right? In him, we also have received an inheritance because we were predestined according to the plan of the one So we are predestined according to the plan of the one, God, who does what? Works out everything in agreement with the purpose of his will. Now, I don't know about you. That verse should cause you just to go, oh. Oh man, I don't know what to do with that verse. Like on one hand, you love that verse, right? Because hey, God predestined me to salvation. It was his will, not my will. That is great. Oh, but then there's other parts of that that you're like, wait, all things according to his will? Oh, well, I, well there's, yeah, Exactly. But now, if you take that concept and you go back to Amos, is it consistent? Well, who, all of those, look, if, if you don't have a God, think about it. Look, all of those nations that we read about in Amos, okay, remove a God perspective. You're just sitting at home, right? You're what? Now, I, obviously, I know this was not happening at the time, but I have to use the illustration of our culture for us to understand it. You're sitting at home watching the news and like, News break. Fox News alert. Dun, 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 dun. Okay. Bill 
buildings burned. Destruction has occurred in Damascus. Oh, bad things are happening. The world's falling apart. This is crazy. From, from, in other words, and we've all looked at it from that perspective, right? Amos is saying all of that happens according to the will of God, which is consistent with Ephesians 1.11. Agreed? I'm saying that you, you can look at each one of those events and you can like, if you were watching it on the news, you'd be like, man, I mean, come on. Did we, have we not done the same thing with maybe Russia and Ukraine? Right now, Puerto Rico, I mean, Puerto Rico is, is being destroyed right now. There's no power. The, the storm's moving like at eight miles an hour. It's going to be flooded into oblivion. Okay. I mean, complete destruction is occurring. Yeah, okay, well, that's bad. And now it is. But we have a tendency to look at it from a very what? Earthly perspective, right? Correct? Let, let's, let's continue there. There's one. We'll just go. How about, uh, well, we know Romans 8.28. We all know Romans 8.28. Everybody can quote it, right? And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for those who are called according to his purpose. What else does it say? Does it say anything else? What else does it say? Do I read all of it? We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, for them who are the called according to his purpose. Now, for that to occur means God has to be what? In charge, involved. He's working it. He's, he's controlling it. Right? We like God's control when it sounds positive, but that, that, there's a lot of serious ramifications from that verse, right? Okay. How about another one? How, how about another one? How about, um, how about Matthew 10, 29 to 31? Matthew 10, 29 to 31. Let's go to this one. I probably could find even better ones, but I just chose some. Matthew 10, 29 to 31. All right, everybody there? Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father? Not even a sparrow falls to the ground without your father. How does the NIV translate that? Oh, man, did you hear that? Not even a bird falls from the ground without the will of God. That, that's a control, that's, that is a sovereignty in every area. That, does that seem like an insignificant thing? How do we process that? But the very heads, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. That means he, he is intimately, not only is he intimately involved, he intimately knows. Again, how do you process that? Now, again, on some areas, we got no problem sitting here in 2022 going, man, 
God was in charge. He destroyed, he destroyed Damascus. He destroyed all of those things and, and Syria and, and Ashkelon and all those cities. Like, it's simple for us to say it here, right? But there's, are there not things happening around us right now? Let's continue. How about uh, Colossians 1, 16 through 17? Colossians 1, 16 through 17. Yeah, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones... Dominions, principalities, powers, or some translations, rulers or authorities. All things were created through him or by him and for him. And he is before all things and him things hold together or something along that line. How does the King James say it? All things consist. He made, look, he made everything for him. And he holds it all together. And that even involves those who are in charge. Which, co- which com- clearly connects with what? Romans 13. Yes? No authority is put in power apart from God. So then you, then you do you not see the logical, qu- what's the logical question you should ask if you're thinking like, just act like you're, don't act like you go to church. Act like a skeptic because skeptics make better Bible students than Christians. Well, let's go back to Amos. Why are those people put in charge of those nations, knowing that those na- they were going to do horrible things, that he's going to have to come in and then have them destroyed? If he's the one putting the people in power, could he not put a better ruler in power in Damascus? In Philistia? In Phoenicia? To accomplish his will. That... That is so hard to wrap my mind around. Right? Go to Isaiah 45. Isaiah 45. Isaiah 45, everybody there? How about verse 6? Let's start with verse 6. Isaiah 45, verse 6. That they may know from the rising of the sun and, uh, and from the west that there is none besides me. I am the Lord and there is none else. I form the light and create darkness. I make and create evil, I the Lord do all these things. Now, now, there is some major struggles with that create evil thing, and everyone has a hard time with it. And we do everything we can to get around it. But the bottom line is, and I, and I don't want to say anything heretical, but there's no way to get around. God created a world knowing evil was going to exist and did nothing to stop it and still has done nothing to stop it. That's a fact, right? How does the NIV have it? Yeah, just the, 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 
Okay, I create, if you want to change evil to disaster, no matter how you want to look at it, God is in charge. And what goes down to the verse 8? Drop down, you heaven, from above, and let the skies pour down righteousness. Let the earth open, and let them bring forth salvation, and let righteousness spring up together. I, the Lord, have created it. In other words, he creates a situation where the bad is, and he creates a situation where the salvation occurs. I, I, I don't think there's any way to get around that. All right. How about uh, Proverbs sixteen thirty-three? Proverbs sixteen thirty-three. What do we read here? We're going to run out of time. That's okay. Proverbs sixteen thirty-three. Yep. <laughs> the lot is cast into the lap, but every but it's every decision is from the Lord. Meaning that God is what? Completely in charge. I, 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 I didn't write down these. I didn't uh, write out like the reference itself. Uh, just check these two to see what they say. Go to Proverbs 16.1. Proverbs 16.1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to see. What does it say? Read it. Okay. All right. So you have you have God involved even inside basically our heart and what we say. How about uh, Proverbs sixteen nine? <laughs> In other words, what does that mean? We come up with the plan. The, the Lord is the one in control in charge, right? In other words, here's why. We come up with our plans, but our plan stops where? Where God's will begins. Now, you, you, you may find comfort in that, but I find massive philosophical meltdown. Right? I have massive, no, I have massive meltdown. Because you know the possible theological implications of this, Right? Does, it, does, not, does anyone see the possible theological implications of this? That should cause you to go, wait, wait, okay, just stop, just stop, stop. We need to move on to something else. What's the theological implication of this? If God's in control of everything, and no matter what my heart comes up with, it stops where God wills begin, do you not see the problem? Well, I, I, who even cares about free will? Your sin is the result of God. Nobody wants to say that, right? Oh, we come up with our plans, no question. Right. God stepped... I can't, I can just... I've brought up the example a million times. When Abraham lied, right? Boom, boom. And Sarai gets Abram and she gets put in a very bad situation. Did someone step in to stop anything from happening? God stepped in. Stopped it from happening. When David came out on the roof, did God step in to stop it? Does God work all things according to his purpose and his will? Now people are like, no, 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 no. God's not involved in that. God's not involved. Well, then don't say he, that he works all things after his good pleasure and will. Yeah. 
there's there's major we there's issues we have to look at. Uh, I see. Um, look at Job. Uh, well, I hate. Well, look at Job forty two two. Look at Job forty two two, and just tell me what the context is of Job forty two. Tell me where we are in the story of Job. We're at the end, right? Okay. Job 42. Has Job asked God his questions and then got bombarded with God's questions at this point? You can look and see. All right. In other words, at this point, Job doesn't have any answer for God's questions. And what does he realize? You are all-knowing in charge, and that's verse 1. And what does he say in verse 2? Oh, verse 2. You can do everything. You can do anything. Meaning Job is coming to the realization that not only is he not going to get an answer, but Job has kind of understood, really, which is pretty amazing, that everything happening, God was involved in it. So far, so good. Go to Lamentations, chapter 3. Lamentations, chapter 3. We're going to run out of time. That's okay. Lamentations 3, I think verse 37. What do you have? Lamentations 3, verse 37. You can use your table of contents if you can't find Lamentations. All right. In other words, who has spoken and it came to pass unless the Lord commanded it? Like, that's another way of saying it. Like, if you, you have if, if who has spoken and it came to pass unless the God commands it? In other words, nothing's going to happen unless God what? Commands it, no matter what we say. Ooh, is it not from the Most High that good and bad come? Uh, Lamentations 3, 37, 38. Okay. And then the last. Why should a living man complain, a man, about the punishment of his sin? God is in charge of everything. That is, that is hard to comprehend, is it not? Right? Go to Acts chapter 4, verse 27, 28. Acts 4, 27 through 28. Acts 4, 27 through 28. Yeah, we have both Herod and Pontius Pilate. Does it mention the Gentiles as well? Yes. And, and the people of Israel to do <laughs> they did exactly what God had predestined them to do. That is so hard to wrap my mind around. They did exactly what they were predestined to do. 
Now, obviously, we know their actions are still condemned. I am by no means excusing the action. I'm just saying this is hard to wrap my mind around. But Amos, if you don't see Amos, it's like all of this is happening because God is involved in all of it. Then you're missing how to see everything that happens in life. All right. Um, let's let's go. Let's look at some other scriptures really quick. Go to uh, Psalm chapter 22, verse 28. 2228 What is it, what does he say in Psalm 2228 Who rules over the nations God's in charge of the nations God's in charge of the nations is that not hard to comprehend Look at Job. Well, I don't, I don't want to look at that from Job because then we have to get into some issues. All right. Look at uh, well, mm-hmm. yeah. Let's do this. Uh, there's a lot more here. We we could. There's a lot more here that we could go into because, but I'm limited in time. I got all these scriptures. But the bottom line is, who's in charge? I mean, we can go back to Romans 13. Anyone who's put in power from earthly power, who put them there? God. Who rules the nation? God. Who's in charge of everything? God. Everything works according to whose will? God. Somehow we have to learn to see everything that happens. God is involved in it. And I will argue there's times we don't see God involved in it. We just see this person did this or this nation did this. And we just somehow think that it happened apart from the will of God or the purpose of God. But maybe it played into the purpose and will of God. We should not excuse the wrong, but the wrong has to fit into it somehow. Or God just lost complete control of the entire situation. And we, he didn't lose control of the situation. I, that's one thing we have to be dogmatic about. So everything that happens to these nations, God was in charge of it. He was in control. Everything happening here, I mean, how many times did he say, I will, again, uh, Sarah, that you pointed out? 14 times. There's only 15 verses, right? I will, I will, I will, I will. He is doing his will in the midst of the nations, which are mentioned 20 times in 15 verses. The nations are mentioned, but the the one who is working in it and through it is God. God is the one in charge. And I don't always understand why God is doing what he's doing, but somehow God is in charge of it. All right, now, we don't have time. We'll just do this quickly, all right? We got the fat. I don't know if you're going to find anything, but here's your, just you got one quick assignment. Go to uh, Amos chapter 1, verse 11, really quick. Amos chapter 1, verse 11, really quick. All right. Amos 1, 11. Everybody there? All right. What is mentioned? Okay, we have Edom mentioned, right? Right? And then, uh, because of the transgressions of Edom, and for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof, because he, and, and it says what he did wrong, but I will send a fire upon Teman, which shall devour the palaces of Basra. So, let's see if you look up in the Bible dictionary. Instead of going for Edom, let's look up Teman. 
Let's just see if we can find at least a, a possible win. Or Timon, yeah. yeah I'm just going to, because someone asked me to do this really quick, so I'm going to try to see if we can do it really fast. My focus is on the other, but that's okay. All right. Do we know when the, the fire came upon Timon? Okay, Asa Petra. Okay, we know that. We don't have anything about it. All right, look up Edom really quick. Or Edom, if you want to say it that way. Okay. He pronounced the, the uh, judgment upon them, but we don't have a fulfillment of it, right? Or do you have something that says when it was fulfilled? Or at least a date. Okay. Uh, Edom, and just see if we see something about when Edom is judged or destroyed. And if it mentions Timan or Timon and Basra. Let's see if we find anything. Like here, when I'm looking at this very, 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 very large book, that don't tell me when, that don't tell me anything. <laughs> okay? Because I don't think anyone knows for sure. Okay? But that's okay. I'm just going to do this really quick. See? Because we're almost out of time. That's okay. See if anybody comes up with something quick. Yeah, please, this one, nothing. Don't tell me anything about when it's going to occur. So I've just already looked at two sources, have no clue, no idea, nobody knows. That doubt just took me like three minutes to look up those two. Oh, I got one here. See if this, they help me, hang on. I got another source right here. I didn't even think about this one. Where is it? Nothing. <laughs> I have this one gives me nothing either. Okay, no, nobody knows. Well, I mean, uh, obviously, Timon and Basra are connected to Edom. So, if you have something about when Edom is right, sixth century BC. Okay, okay you're just doing Google. Okay. Okay, so Babylonians bring down Edom somewhere in the 6th century. Right, why? Oh, did you have a, a disagreement with that? Oh, you're up into 70 A.D. I know. Okay. Yeah, that's when they're eliminated. Yeah, but I think as a nation, Babylon, Babylon takes care of them. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah, I think as a... Right, during the Maccabean period. Right. But, but I think the Babylonians seem to be at least... So we don't have, may not have anything specific. All right, that's fine. If, and, but it, I wish we had something specific, but the bottom line is... The, now, again, I got no problem people looking it up. I just want us to stop tonight and just consider this. This is what I want us to just stop and consider, okay? So now we can, we can put that away for now. I know we didn't get to the other one, but that's okay. I just wanted to show you that just, just grabbing every resource we could find in a couple of minutes, uh, we can't find anything specific, and we clearly are not given what? A biblical cross-reference that seems to record it, okay? Yeah, there's several times. So which specific time are we referencing here? Okay, all right. So are, are, we, are we good, are, are okay with that? Now here's what I want us to focus on. When I read Amos... I see, remember what I said were some of the key things we saw? What was the first one? National sins. We can agree with that. I wanted to focus a little bit more on the national sins tonight, but we didn't get to it. Number two, obviously you have to have nations if you have that. All right? A third one, judgment. Clearly we see judgment. And then the one I wanted everyone to focus on was that everything happens to these nations is being carried out by God. It's not by chance. It's not just circumstance. God is involved. I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. And God works all things according to his will. And this is the hardest thing for us to ever grasp. When we see life, God's will. On one hand, we say, amen, brother. But we don't sometimes know exactly what that leads to. That is saying that is God's will when we don't understand it. When we don't like it and when it may be horrible and I don't have a good, easy answer for it. Put it this way. Everyone looks at life and there's really two ways to look at it, right? It's just because of circumstance, chance, and just because people did things, right? There's no rhyme to it. There's no reason to it. There's no grand scheme to it. There's no grand plan. Things just happen. And a lot of bad things seem to happen over and 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 over. Now, typically Christians mock that and say, well, that's stupid, that's dumb. But when we look, so we come with our view, which we try to make it sound so good, right? Oh, there's a God who has a wonderful plan and it's great and it's awesome. But we almost want to limit God being involved Like God is involved in everything good, but he's not involved in anything bad. But we know the minute we bring God into it, he's got to be involved in the bad because he's created the entire, well, the very being who brought the bad into the world, right? And then when bad happened, what did he not do? Stop it. Therefore, the bad has to be a part of his plan. Now that's, oh, I don't like saying that. I don't like saying that. And the reason I don't like saying it is because I, I can't speak for you, but what rises up in me is like, well, then why? My sin is a part of it. In some ways it is, but it's still condemned. I just want you to think tonight, when you view life, do you truly view it from a theological point of view 
where you see God in it, or do you just see circumstances and you almost leave God out of it? I have a tendency to want to leave God out of a lot of things. I mean, look, we're sitting here. Well, what's the temperature currently outside? 90-something degrees, right? About 90 degrees, right? Sun is shining. Not many clouds in the sky. Nice. You're going to have a nice drive home. You can go on a walk this evening if you want. It's going to be nice out. No problem. Right now, people in Puerto Rico are possibly going to die. Now, on one hand, I can say, well, we just live in a fallen world and bad things happen. But on the other hand, is God not in charge? Everything in Amos is God working in nations. He's doing it. He's doing it. He's doing it. All right. I'll stop right there. Look, God, we come before you. We can acknowledge that you are sovereign and that you work all things according to your will. At the same time, we have to acknowledge we don't understand it. We are often confused by it. And if we're really honest, there's times we don't like it. Forgive us for our wrong attitude towards it and help us try to see life from a perspective that includes you, but not excludes you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And God's people said...